right. Okay, Tok. We're in the Gemara Moikat. I'm just going to review the last few lines. We're at the top of Yud Beis, Amit Beis. We just did this part. I want to quickly do it because then there's a follow-up that goes right on that. So again, we, we had Rav Yosef's ruling who said that you can, if you're going to suffer a financial loss, you can do what has to be done completely without, you know, doing the full job. You can do the whole thing. So Rav Huna, So it was what? That the workers, Rav Huna, reaped Rav Huna's harvest during Cholamoid. And these were non-Jewish workers. And by doing that, there was rabbis who disagreed with that. Rabba bar Ravuna, okay. Esve Rabba Ravuna le Ravuna. So Rabba, the son of Ravuna, asked his father, "You know, can you do that?" Tochnin kemach b'moed l'tzarech moed. We know the following halacha: You can grind grain into flour and cholamoid for a festival need. Ushlo l'tzarech moed aser. But not for the festival need, need is not allowed. Okay? Now, we should go over some of the general rules regarding such work. Again, one who performs malach and cholamoid for a festival need is not required to carefully measure his actions to ensure that he prepares precisely what is needed and no more. Rather, he may prepare generously, and if some will be left over, it is of no consequence. Although there are certain types of cholamoid work which must be performed in private, work performed for a festival need may be performed publicly. Okay. Work performed for a festival need may be deliberately scheduled for cholamoid, provided it has to do with the preparation of food. In other words, other things you don't leave for cholamoid, but eating, it's, you want it to be fresh. Other sorts of festival needs, however, while permissible may not be scheduled for that time. Okay, that's one rule. A similar differentiation is made with regard to masa uman, work of a craftsman. Although such work is generally prohibited even in the case of a festival need, it's permitted in the case of a food-related need. Okay, so food-related need can be professional work. The final rule regarding festival needs concerns situation in which one can obtain the food from a merchant or borrow it from a friend instead of preparing it himself when it's not required to do so. For preparing the food oneself is deemed a festival need and is permitted a cholamoy. So obviously, what do you see? Food that you need for cholamoy has a lot of leniencies. You can specifically leave it for the yuntif to be done you don't have to pay money. You could do it yourself. It can even be done with a craftsman. Okay. Anyway, so Rabba asked his father from the following where it says that you can grind the flour, the the cur- the, 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 the stuff for cholamoid uh, for the needs of the moed. And you don't have to, and if it's not for the moed, you can't do it. What else do we learn? Dover sha'avud b'moed. Something you can suffer a great loss on Cholamoid if you don't do it, you can do it on Moid. Something you won't get lost financially, you can't do it on the Moid. But when is this rule said? When the stuff is separated from the ground. 
but if it's still attached to the ground, even if it's all going to get lost, you're not allowed to do it. Okay, why? Because the harvest of a standing crop and its subsequent processing is a very public proceeding. And we're afraid that people are going to look they don't know that there's an impending loss. They'll erroneously say, oh, we can harvest crops on Cholomoy. Okay. Now, the Im'enlo Mayochal, whoever doesn't have anything to eat, then Kotzer Umamer Vidosh Vizura Uborer he can reap, gather, thresh, winnow, select, and grind his standing crop on Cholomoy. Okay, Ubalvad, however, Shalohidoshbiparos, he doesn't do the threshing using oxen. You thresh it another way. So now what do we see from this price? That unless you have nothing to eat, you cannot perform work with a standing crop on Cholamoid, even if it is to save from a certain loss. Right? It said you're gonna lose. Right? Unless you have mamish nothing to eat. But otherwise, it's a case of losing. You can't do anything if it is, uh, not, uh, uh, has to be harvested. Okay? So how could Rav Huna do this? That is the question he's asking on his father. Because Rav Huna got to go and do the whole harvesting and all that. So why, so why were you allowed to do that? So that's what we got up to uh, yesterday. So his father's going to answer that brisa which the son just quoted. Amrlei Ravuna says Yechidahi. This brisa that you just quoted is according to an individual Tana. It's not the consensus opinion that you can't um, do all that for financial loss. Velo safrinan le and the Tana of this brisa is at odds with what the first Mishnah of the Masechta said, okay, which allows watering of the crops. Remember the first Mishnah we learned? You can water the crops if you stand to lose money, okay? And that's what we hold. The Tana that you quoted is is an outlier, so to speak, and we don't follow this. And we're going to prove this from the following Brisa. The Tanya, we learn a Brisa. Klal Omer of Megamliel Mishum Rabiosi. Rav Shem Gamliel said a general rule in the name of Rav Yossi. Dover hatolosh minakarka, in the case of a crop that's detached from the ground, afilu mitzasa avud, even if only part of it will be lost if it's left unattended, mutter, you're allowed to perform the work on chol lekarka, but if it's attached to the ground, Afilu kula avad aser. The whole thing will get lost. You are prohibited because it's attached to the ground. Now, we see that it's an, a single individual, Rabiosi, who takes this position. And since he's alone in this opinion, it is, you're not allowed to do it. So it's a singular opinion. That, so therefore, that's the answer. But the Gemara says, wait a minute. You can't say that answer. The Rabiosi, with the time of the first price is Rabiosi, why does he rule that if you have nothing to eat, 
you cannot thresh using oxen because what does Rabbi Yossi say about that? He says, Yodush nami beperos. Rabbi Yossi says, you could do whatever you need to do to avoid the financial loss when you're allowed to. So he should be even permitted to thresh using the oxen. Okay, so therefore you can't say that. So what are you going to do? Ha'amar of Yitzhak Baraba. For Rav Yitzhak Baraba already said, Man Tana, who's the Tana who holds? Shinui, Bamoed, Bedavarav. Who says when you have a financial loss, you have to make a change, you can't do it? No, he says, Deloka Rav Yossi. It's not Rav Yossi. Because Yossi says, you don't have to make that change. He says you do it in the regular reason. Okay, now. So the reason the Brysa prohibits threshing with oxen is presumably because work performed on Cholomoid must be done on an irregular manner. According to Yossi, then, it should be permissible to thresh using oxen. So clearly the Brysa is not going like Rabiosi. So what's, what, what are you going to say? So Amar Lach, so Gemara answers, and Rav Huna will say to you, Hachinami. Yeah, he's going to say regarding threshing with oxen, Rabbi Yossi does not mean to introduce the irregularity for work because that's not the point. The reason behind his ruling forbidding oxen is actually not because of a requirement to do it in a, nat- in a, in a not, not natural way, but Kevin the Koyoma lav before his In fact, since one doesn't necessarily thresh using oxen on all other days, so normally you don't. So lav So here it's also not a shinui. So rather the reason the oxen are not used on kolamoid because it makes a lot of noise, and we don't want to publicize the fact that we're performing work on kolamoid. So it's not because of its irregularity, but because it makes a lot of noise, and you're not allowed to do that. Okay, so that takes care of uh, that that brisa. Okay, good. Next, new point. Okay, so therefore, the, the Bryce can be like Rabiosi because it's to, it's to avoid making a lot of noise. Certain things on Cholomite, even though you're allowed to do it, but if it makes a lot of noise, it's not permitted. So now we're going to discuss other types of work that's permitted on Cholomite. Tanarabonim. Tochnim b'moed l'tzarech You can ground grain into flour on Cholomite if you need it for cholamoid. But if it's not for the need of cholamoid, you can't do it. Okay, that really no. And what if you grind up and you have some left over after the festival? That's okay. Okay, even though you're only, remember we said, even though you only could grind what you need, but you don't have to be precise. And if a little bit more, that's okay. You want to have a little left over. Okay, next point of the Bryson. Coats it's in eight You can cut branches from a trees on Cholamoid for a festival need. But if it's not for festival need, you're not allowed to do it. Same idea coming up. In cuts of a hoser, what if you cut some branches and some are left over? motor. That is allowed. Okay, good. Another similar idea is. We can brew beer on Cholamoid for a festival need. Okay, I guess it takes an effort to brew beer. I have no idea how you make beer. 
you probably put hops and water, I don't know what you're doing, but you can make beer on Cholamite if you don't have any beer on Cholamite. But if you don't need it for Cholamite, you're not allowed to do it. And what if you have extra? It's allowed. And now we finally have something a little bit new. And what's this new point? Provided this making extra is not deliberately doing more than it's needed with the excuse that I need that much beer for Cholamoy. In other words, you could get you, let's say, let's say you need uh, two barrels of beer for Cholamoy. Okay, you're allowed to make two barrels. What if you make three? You say, well, you know, you never know, you could have a couple extra gas, maybe want to drink a little bit more. So, okay, I'm, I'm going to make three. Okay, it turns out he had some left over. But what if he knows for sure he doesn't need more than two? But he figures, I'm already making the beer. And you know, you have to probably a process. So for making two already, I can make three. Right? But, uh, but he knows he doesn't need more than two. But he's telling everybody it's three. So now, in other words, if he has enough old beer in stock, or he gives a different explanation, he, he has some old beer in stock, but he says, I want to drink fresh beer. Okay? So interesting uh, that this uh, halacha applies not only to beer, but to all the Bryce's cases, the so wood, all those things. So Bryce implies that if one did employ a subterfuge, he may not drink the leftover beer after the festival. Just like if you do something on Shabbos, cooking things on Shabbos, you cook on Shabbos, not all cook on Shabbos, you can't benefit from that. So... The issue is, so we got like this, we had three cases. We said harvesting, cutting wood, and making beer. So you make what you need, what you don't need you can't make. If there's leftover, you can still have it after the moid. Obviously after the moid, if it was on the moid, then you needed it for the moid. So we're just saying, maybe we think we punish you. You made too much, now you're not allowed to benefit from it. No, we don't punish you, you can't be precise. But if he's doing it as a subterfuge, now, of course, how would we know? The answer is, only he and Hashem knows. So even though he, he made a subterfuge, so he's not really allowed to use it. Now, the question the commentaries ask, really, all three ideas are the same. Why do you have to give three cases? You're mentioning harvesting, uh, grinding, uh, cutting down wood, and beer, it's all the same idea. Why do you need three separate cases? The answer is that the case of grinding flour teaches that even so basic a staple as flour may not be prepared on Cholamoid except if it's needed for the festival. In other words, even if it's a basic staple, you only can make what you need. Cutting branches and brewing beer teach that when there's a festival need, even non-staple items may be prepared and that one not need exacting. Another lesson derived from the case of cutting branches for the sake of a festival need is missed to work even with something attached to the ground. So that's why we gave all three cases. But what's the main idea? The Brysa says you cannot make a subterfuge. That's the point we're, we're focusing on over here. So that is one Brysa. Now, Veramino, but there's another Brysa, but now there's another Brysa that says the following. 
You can brew beer on Cholomoyed for the festival need. But for not festival needs, you can't do it. Now, it doesn't matter if it's date beer or barley beer. Okay, what's the difference? Barley beer takes more effort than date beer. Still, you can do it. Brysa continues. Even if you have enough old beer in stock for the festival, you uh, and now you want to make new beer, okay? So, marim You can employ a subterfuge by uh, drinking the new stock, saying that you needed it. So the Bryce states that it's permissible to employ a subterfuge on Cholomoid. It contradicts the Bryce before that says you can't do a subterfuge. So now we have a steer in Bryce's. So what's the obvious, the simplest answer, although not necessarily the best answer? Tanahi, it's a machlokas of Tanoim, if you can make a subterfuge on Cholomoid. The Tanya because we learned in yet in a third brisa that says, We may not employ a subterfuge in this case, Tanakama, while Rabiosi ben Yehuda Omer Marimim. Rabiosi ben Yehuda says, We can employ a subterfuge in this case. So the first brisa follows the Tanakama who says, You can't make a subterfuge. The second brisa follows Rabiosi bar Yehuda. It says you can make a, sub, a subterfuge. Okay? Uh, all right. Anyway, we, so so this price up paraphrases one that's quoted in Mesechah Shabbos. What's going on over there? There the issue is a barrel of wine that broke on the Shabbos. The law is that one may save only as much wine as he requires for the Shabbos. However, if one invites guests, he can save wine for his their needs as well. The dispute concerns one who, in order to save as much wine as possible, invites guests who have already dined, who will leave over most of who will leave over most of the wine that they are served. That's a subterfuge. I'm going to invite a lot of guests, but they ate already. I'm inviting them anyway. Tanakam does not permit one to employ this subterfuge. Riosi does. The dispute pertains also to the question of employing a subterfuge on Cholamoyed. Okay. So, regarding the halacha of using a subterfuge, there is a discussion in the Rishonim. Brings all the, the Rambam, etc., etc. Shulchan Aruch rules that one may not employ a subterfuge. Note, however, that some authorities differentiate between the subterfuge of making more beer than one needs and that of making new beer when one has enough old beer. Okay, it's important to realize that if the new beer really is better than the old, one is permitted to brew it for the festival, for then this act is not a subterfuge. Likewise, with regard to grinding flour, if the new flour is better than the old, he may grind it on cholamoid and he has sufficient of the old stock. What would be a good practical application of this halacha nowadays? Practical application is um, you cooked, you had food during the weekday, and you have leftovers. You have leftover very good, healthy chicken. But it's leftovers. Now you want to make a fresh chicken on Yontif, which you're allowed to do. So can you make a fresh 
chicken, even though you got sufficient chicken leftovers from before. Well, obviously, fresh chicken tastes a lot better than old chicken. So then you could make a fresh chicken. That would be an example of the subterfuge that is allowed. Okay, so we got a machlokes, though, in the tanoim, uh, in the uh, uh, tanoim, if you can make a subterfuge on cholamoid. So now we're going to have some rulings uh, uh, as, um, about that are relating to this brysa. We have Rav, it occurred that the Goyim reaped Rav's harvest on Cholamoy. So now, Shama Shmuel, Shmuel heard about it, and Ikbid. And he was particular about that, that he did not want him to do that. So now, the question is, was Shmuel correct in objecting to the fact that Rav got his Goyish workers to harvest the, the, the grain for him. Well, Morris starts off and says, well, let's say like this. So let's say Shmuel, he's following the opinion, remember we started off today, of the individual Tana. For his objection is seemingly based on the opinion of Rabiosi, who's the only singular opinion who does not allow a person to uh, do work on still attached crops. That's what we already had before. The fact that Shmuel argues, it appears he follows Rabiosi's singular ruling. Now, does that mean that he's holding, and that means generally that's not how the halacha is going to be like? So we're going to say, does Shmuel hold, hold like that? Where it says, well, no, not necessarily. It doesn't have to be he objected because he holds like Rabiosi, could be objected for other reasons. And what is that? This was a weed harvest which would not have been lost if it was left unattended until after the festival. Remember, we started off the class, we're saying, we're talking about it was the wheat was going to suffer a financial loss. And the main opinion said you could do it. Well, Rabiosi said if it's connected around, you can. And that's the individual opinion. But this was a wheat harvest. If it was a barley one, then Shmuel wouldn't have objected. Because the barley, if it's not harvested on time, you could lose it. But since it was a wheat field, it wouldn't be ruined. So therefore, that, that's what the problem was. Now, so now what's the question? The question that gets flipped on Rav. If Taka, he would suffer no financial loss because it was a wheat field, so Taka, why did Rav do it? Right, Gamora thought originally it was a barley field, and Shmuel was disagreeing because he was like a singular opinion of Rabiosi. But now they were saying no, it was it was wheat, and wheat you don't have to anyway. So now the question is for Rav, my time of it, Achi. Why did Rav do it? More answers. Ain lo ma yochel hava. He was, as the Bray says, with nothing to eat. He had no other food. If you have no other food. Then, of course, we said you're allowed to do that, right? If it's no other food, you could do that. Now, what about Shmuel? Ushmuel lo saimuha kamei. Shmuel, they've not explained, they didn't explain Rav's situation to him. In other words, they didn't know when they told him, you know, Rav's harvesting his field. Oh, that's a terrible thing. You shouldn't do this. They conveniently or inconveniently didn't mention that Rav didn't have any food. 
Okay, it could be they didn't know. Now, the reason Shmuel did not give... Aye, what's the obvious question now? What about benefit of the doubt? He's an Amoira. You think he's going to stomp two Averos? Why didn't he assume that he was <laughs> short on supplies? Okay. So he said, uh, by assuming that he was short of supplies, it was because one performing work because he lacks food must be extremely exacting in his preparations. He holds got to be precise. And Rob harvested a little bit more than what he needed to. Okay, so now the question is, I guess he was more exacting with him. Okay, and maybe, but, or another answer is, and maybe you could put the two together, Inami, or he said like this, Adam Choshuv, shiny. A prominent person has to be held to different standards and has to be a stricter standard. And Shmuel felt, although ordinary people are allowed to reap grain if they don't have food, Rav should not have done so. So now, so now, what's the obvious question? Oh, that's the question. The answer is that Rav had the option of purchasing food from others. Remember we said, when we said the halacha is you don't have to purchase from others. That's, that's the halacha. But Shmuel felt that one so prominent as he should have availed himself of this opportunity instead of working on Cholamoy. Alternatively, Rav could have borrowed food from others until after the festival. Shmuel held that he should have borrowed. Okay, this incident teaches that one, the, when the bride says, if one does not have anything else to eat, it refers even to one who has the option of obtaining food from elsewhere. As we've shown, Rav certainly could have bought or borrowed food even so. If not for his prominence, he would have been permitted to harvest his grain. Clearly, we do not trouble one to borrow or purchase food, but permit him to prepare his own. The Shiltas explains this permit differently. He states that the embarrassment connected with being in debt to another for one's food will mar one's enjoyment of the festival. Some people don't want to owe people. Since enjoyment of the festival is a Torah obligation, we don't want to lessen it by requiring someone to borrow food. Hamak Shela points out that this reason exempts one only from borrowing food. Not from buying food, however, will be required to do so since there's no embarrassment in buying. Anyway, so you see again, if you are a great rabbi, you are held to higher standards than that. Okay. You know, it's interesting. I t not, not related at all, but I just mentioned somebody that will remain nameless asked me the Shila. He said, you know, I, I didn't have any time to take a, a, a shave before Cholomoyed, can I take a shave on Cholomoyed? So what did I answer him? No. And I said, that's precisely why you're not allowed to do it, because you, you left it for Cholomoyed, and you're not allowed to leave it for Cholomoyed. So I didn't get a response back, but that's the same idea. You know, you got to take care of what you need to do. Taking a shave is also... He said, now it's uncomfortable. I said, well, it's uncomfortable till, till next Monday, right? Okay, anyway, moving on to the next stories. Rabbi Yehuda Nesia, Rabbi Yehuda Nesia, Nafak Bechumrasa Dimidosha. He went out into his courtyard on the Shabbos wearing a signet ring made of madosh wood. This was a ring made of metal with a signet of madosh wood. 
So I guess a metal ring and the signet was made of, I don't know what Madosh wood is, but uh, different types of woods, whatever. So he's going out with that, okay, into the courtyard wearing a signet ring. What's going to be the issue at hand over here? Carrying. Is wearing a ring considered carrying or not? That's the issue we will see. So he went out and he had that fancy signet ring. Now the idea again is going to be someone of prominence. The regular halacha and a person of prominence. And during the weekdays, drank water. That's case number one. With Shabbos, went with that. Case number two, he drank water that was that was heated by an Aramean, which is a non-Jewish cook. He did two things. On Shabbos, he went out with his ring, seal, and during the weekday, he drank water that was heated up by Goyim. Shama Ravami, Ravami heard about both incidences, and Ikbid, and he was particular. And Amar Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef analyzed Ravami objection, and says, my time of Ikbid. Why was he so particular about both things? So let's go, he goes through and advances what should be the problem. It's because of the signet ring, which is forbidden on Shabbos. It's muktza, right? Okay, we're not going to go through all So One category of muktza is klishamalachto leiser, the utensil used for prohibited activities. Since you can't use it on Shabbos, it's muktza. Okay? If you have two uses, you know, then it's not muktza. So, it is impermissible to use a signet ring on Shabbos. Certain types of signet rings, however, are used as adornments. Let's say made out of copper. Since they possess a Shabbos use, they're not muktza. So some rings could be muktza. Some are just nice rings and happen to be a signet ring. Others, really, they only use it as a signet ring and not as an adornment. Yeah, yeah, to certify documents. The ring worn by Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, however, was not of the ornamental sort, but was a purely functional item. So therefore, it's a klisha malach and that was his problem. So if you want to say it's because of that, Hotanya, but it was taught in a brisa, hashirin, hanizamim, vatabos, brooches, nose rings, and rings, harehin kachol hakelim anitlin b'chotzer, like all other uh, utensils that they be moved in the courtyard for the sake of their place. Remember, we learn a klisha malachto leiser. If you need the place it's in, you're allowed to move it out. So, regarding with Yehuda's ring, although you can't use it, but you're allowed to move it for the place you need. So, therefore, the wearing could not have been an, an objection because he was trying to move the place. What was the use of the ring? No. He was in a space. He, he wanted to move it out of the place. No, no, but what would be the use of the ring? Signet. Oh, uh, stamp. Uh, instead of signing. Right. Certifying. Oh, right. A certification object. Oh, and, they, and they know it's your yeah. signet ring. So instead of writing your yeah, sign, yeah. you just yeah. stamp it. So that's a klisha malachto leiser, which yeah. you can't generally move, but you're allowed to move it letzarech makomo. For its area, if it's a place you don't want it to be, and you're allowed to do that. You don't have to wear it to move it. You can just pick it up and move it. You don't have to wear it. 
Uh, well, but that's one way to move it. Yeah, but I mean, that's how you put it on. I mean, if you just want to move it, move it. Why don't you figure to move it wearing it? I don't know. Anyway. So that's what he's saying. So Rudas ring, although it's a forbidden use utensil, it may be moved for the sake of its use. It follows that the wearing of this ring, which was presumably done for one of the permitted purposes, could not have been the reason objected. So you you have a question to come uh 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 uh, uh. one cannot argue that it was forbidden to wear this ring because of the decree against wearing adornments, for this ring served no ornamental purpose whatsoever, and thus was not included in the decree. It's for this reason Rabbi Udinasia would not have been permitted to wear this ring in the public domain on the Shabbos. For a ring that serves no ornamental purpose is viewed not as an adornment but as a burden. Okay, he wore it in the cart yard. It wasn't it. Anyway, that's the way he wanted to move it. That's what he wanted. It's easier. Just put it on your. Maybe you got. Maybe he was carrying a few things. Whatever. Either way, that wasn't a problem. So that was the first thing. Second thing. And maybe he was upset he was drinking warm water heated up by a goy. Maybe it's bisholakum. You're not allowed to benefit from what a goy cooks. But no. But we're told, anything can be eaten raw, like water. There's no problem with bisholakum. So what was he so upset about both activities? They're both permitted activities. Answer is autumn hush of shiny. A prominent person is different standards. Mm-hmm. And though normally a person could wear the signet ring to get it out of its place or drink the water heated by a goy, so therefore he was an important person, and that is different. We'll have more of these stories coming up tomorrow. Okay.